0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 10th chapter. These 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, brother will deliver brother over to death and the father his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death and you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. This is the Gospel of the Lord. for the kingdom of heaven is near." Our gospel reading last week, our gospel reading this week, and the reading that you'll hear next week are all from the same section. It is from when Jesus sent out his twelve apostles and he told them what they were supposed to do. They should tell people that the kingdom of heaven had drawn near. The kingdom of heaven has at its core the word kingdom, and with kingdom there is reigning and ruling, and so to say that the kingdom of heaven has drawn near is to say that God has drawn near with his reigning and his ruling. That would be good news or bad news depending on what you think of the reigning and ruling of God. If you want God to come and have his ways be uppermost, well then that's good news. But if you don't want God to come, don't want his ways to be uppermost, well then that might sound like a powerful enemy is coming to get you. This message that the apostles were sent out to preach was not without precedent. It is very similar to other preaching that we hear about. Jesus himself and John the Baptist both preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And repent means change your ways. All people, everywhere, must change their ways. You must change your ways because you are not perfect and holy. And God is coming. But not everybody wants to change their ways. And that's an understatement, actually. The truth is that nobody wants to change their ways. The very reason why we have the ways that we have is because those are the very ways that we ourselves like. Nobody has to hold us down with our arms tied around our back so that we forget to say our prayers. Nobody has to force us to roll our eyes at our parents. Nobody has to whip us and beat us so as to force us to look at dirty things or hear about dirty things with the latest gossip. We do these things precisely because we want to do them. Nobody forces us. We even usually know what's right and wrong, but that doesn't always stop us, especially if nobody's looking, and we think nobody's going to find out. We do what's wrong because that is exactly what we want to do. True Christian and apostolic preaching fights against this very thing, fights against what we want to do. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is a declaration of war. The kingdom of heaven is opposed to all evil, no matter where it might be found. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is the most serious declaration of war that has ever been spoken. It's cosmic in its implications. Heaven and hell are involved. The declaration of war is so serious that Jesus even says some outrageous stuff. Outrageous stuff like, Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. Or another time, he says, If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose that part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, chop it off. It's better to lose that part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. The extremeness of statements like these, and I could give you many more, by the way, the extremeness of statements like these show how dire the situation is. Take what Jesus says about money. What good can millions or billions do you if it's all coming to an end? Or take what he says about your body. What good can your I or your other members do you if you should be cast into hell? from hell you might wish from the bottom of your heart that you had torn your eye out, that you'd cut your hand off. God is coming. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And there are some more extreme statements that you heard in our gospel reading. I'm sure you noticed them. They were right up at front. Brother will hand over brother, and a father will hand over his child, and children will rise up against their parents so as to have them killed. Jesus says that this kind of thing is going to happen as a side effect of preaching the good news that our Father, who art in heaven's kingdom, is coming. Households will be divided. The closest social bonds, broken. Jesus says it. It's right there, black on white. But if we're being honest, I think this all sounds a little strange to us. Really? Families, divided people, handed over to be killed, isn't this all just a little too overheated? Isn't the situation much more mundane? And I can understand folks thinking that way. It's very common. People just don't think that religion is very important. There's a myriad of other things that are more important. And plus, even in churches, those places where you'd expect Christianity to be taken seriously, it isn't too hard to find churches and preachers that promote an unserious Christianity. Don't get too upset about anything. And I'm not just talking about other church bodies, I'm talking about how it is in our own circles. It's not hard to find promoters of a kind of Christianity where it's just a sidelight of your life, kind of a hobby. If it's your thing, well, then good for you. But if it's not, well, you know, what's the big deal? And their preaching can sound pretty good too. It might be a little boring because they themselves say it's unimportant, but it does have this saving grace it sounds a whole lot more reasonable than the stuff that Jesus says. You're not going to have to choke on any extreme statements with their preaching because they're going to give you what you want. They don't see preaching as a declaration of evil, no matter where that evil might be found. For them, the customer is always right. You don't have to quit doing what you want, in fact you should do whatever it is that makes you happy. God wants you to be happy, doesn't the good book say that? God wants you to be happy? Sounds plausible enough. But misleading people in spiritual things is the worst possible breaking of all of God's commandments. Misleading people in spiritual things is the worst possible breaking of all of God's commandments. And the reason for that is because it has eternal implications. Other commandments that you might break just affect another person in this life. But if you mislead them in spiritual things, well, that has eternal implications. Any preacher can easily enough say that this or that is not a sin to make people happy. A church can kind of tailor their message so as to please the people that they're hoping to gather into their sanctuary, whether that maybe is a liberal audience or a conservative audience. But let's not forget what this is all about. Neither liberalism nor conservatism is going to do a thing for you when you're standing before God in judgment. And if a pastor has told you that this or that is, a, is not a sin and go and do what you want regardless of what God's law says, that might work in this life but who cares what that pastor has to say when you are standing before God to be judged. You are responsible. What is helpful is Jesus's preaching. And his preaching, you've already heard it. Repent, change your ways, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's helpful is Jesus' preaching for standing in the final judgment, and it's helpful regardless of how it sounds to you. It might sound to you unreasonable or implausible, but with Jesus' preaching, as opposed to all other preaching, There comes the Holy Spirit, and that's no small matter. With Jesus' preaching, the Holy Spirit comes, and the Holy Spirit convinces us that God is well pleased with us for the sake of Jesus. The Holy Spirit fights against our sinful flesh, which always wants to do what it wants to do. The Holy Spirit fights against our sinful flesh so that we are not helplessly doing whatever our sinful desires dictate, but we begin to live a life of righteousness. God is the one who takes hold of our will, and that is a very good thing because if God doesn't take hold of our will, the devil's going to write it. The devil's going to ride our will from one evil thing to the next until he takes us to that final destination in hell. When Jesus declares war against evil, including, especially, the evil that is within us, this is God's reigning and ruling. And it's an amazing thing. What's amazing about God's reigning and ruling is that he doesn't simply destroy us or obliterate us, he redeems us, so that we may live and not die. God's reigning and ruling is for our benefit, even though, as Paul says, we are crucified, together with Christ. The more God takes over in our lives, the better, and the more that what we want to do is set aside and what God wants is worked within us, the better. God's reigning and ruling is what is most important. It's at the heart of the gospel. God's reigning and ruling is why Jesus also can comfort us. Jesus says two times in our reading, do not be afraid, even though he talks about what otherwise is very frightening. Very frightening if you are listening or taking him seriously. After all, Jesus says that divisions will go all the way down to people who are living under the same roof and that there can even be deadly divisions. And yet Jesus says, do not be afraid. The only reason why a person is able to not be afraid in otherwise very frightening situations is because God is in control. This is of great comfort if you will have the courage to accept it. It takes courage because we're not always sure of what God wants and whether that we want what God wants. But if you have the courage to accept it, it's of great, great comfort to know that God is in control. When the apostles went out to preach God's declaration of war, God was in control. And when they were unjustly punished and even eventually put to death as evildoers, God was in control. And this is applicable to the preaching of the gospel that has been given to us to do in our age as well. It is enough for a disciple to be like his master, Jesus says. So we should be like him. So we must simply speak the things that Jesus has given us to speak And what He has given us to speak might not always sound nice. What He's given us to speak might not always appear as though it's going to work. But it's going to work because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. What Jesus speaks truly is helpful. And if we believe Him, and if we take up our cross and follow Him, then we will find that it is so. We will find that we are able to stand in God's judgment. The reigning and ruling of God will make it so. Of all possible things that could ever possibly happen, there is nothing more profound or good than this reigning and ruling of God in the souls of those who hear Jesus speak, eternal life itself breaks in on this sin-sick and loveless world with the preaching of the Gospel. And if it meets opposition, so what? If it is opposed even within ourselves by our flesh, should we really be surprised? We who are evil Jesus come to us who is good, do you really think that this should be something that is easy? Jesus tells us beforehand in our reading that it won't be, but that's all right because God is in control. Please stand for the blessing. Jesus said, even the hairs of your head are all numbered Fear not, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen.